I want us to get into the Word. If you've got a Bible, I want to go to Exodus chapter 14. Exodus 14. While you're looking that up, if you're brand new, um, my name's Brad, and I'm the pastor. Um, just not some random guy up here screaming and shouting. Uh, <laughs> although I do that a lot, so get used to it. Um, and I'm going to get fired up because today is really good stuff. But if I, uh, Laura and I would love to meet you, by the way, if you're brand new. Grab a Next Step card, fill it out. We have a free gift for you, just our way of saying thanks for coming. Go back to the, by the front doors. There's a New Here banner. We'd love to say hi. Connect with you if you've got a prayer request, however we can help you. We're just here to serve you, okay? That's, that's what we're here for. We're here to serve you. We believe God wants hope, healing, peace, and purpose for your life. So we're in this series called Sink or Swim. And uh, maybe for some of you, 2018 just felt like you were, you were sinking, but I believe that God not only wants you to get your head above water, but he wants you to rise above the waves. Not only does he want you to rise above the waves, I think he wants you to ride some waves in 2019, okay? I mean, he wants you just to have an amazing year. So we're looking at the story, a classic story, the Red Sea story. I think all of us are at least somewhat familiar. Moses going up, raises his staff up, sea parts, go across, Egyptians killed. I mean, we kind of all know that story. You're new to the Bible. We're going to pick it up in Exodus chapter 14. I read out of the New Living Translation. If you don't have a Bible, download you version. Great version of the Bible. But let me let me give you some background real quick here. If you're new to church, so the uh, Israelites had been in slavery for 400 years. How many years? 400. 400. 400 years. But God had given them a promise that they were going to go to a promised land that we know today as Israel. And so they God sets them free. They're on their way to the promised land, and this is where we pick up the story in Exodus 14, verse 5. When word reached the king of Egypt that the Israelites had fled, Pharaoh and his officials changed their minds. What have we done letting all these Israelite slaves get away? This, this is like a parent uh, sending their child off to college and being like, yeah, woo, see you, sucker, and then going, what have I done? Now I have to mow the lawn and do the dishes. Okay, that's kind of... Some of you will get there one day. Okay, yeah. That's, uh. So Pharaoh harnessed his chariot and called up his troops, took with him 600 of Egypt's best chariots, along with the rest of the chariots of Egypt, each with its commander. And the Lord hardened the heart of Pharaoh, the king of Egypt, so he chased after the people of Israel who had left with fists raised in defiance. The Egyptians, they chased after them with all the forces of Pharaoh's army, and it just gets intense. He's got his horses, his chariots, his charioteers, which are like cheerleaders. They're like, go Pharaoh, go Pharaoh. Boo! I mean, it's everybody is coming after the Israelites. It's a bad day. The Egyptians caught up with the people of Israel as they camped beside the shore of Phihahiroth, across from Baal Zephon. As Pharaoh approached... People of Israel looked up. They panicked when they saw the Egyptians overtaking them. They cried out to the Lord, and they said to Moses, Why why did you bring us out here in the middle of the wilderness to die? Why weren't, weren't there enough graves in Egypt? What have you done? Why, why did you make us leave Egypt? Did, did we tell you this was going to happen? Did we tell you we didn't want to leave? Man, would you, we, should, we should be back in Egypt to be better there. It's better to be a slave than to die here in the wilderness. But Moses told the people, don't be afraid. Just stand still and watch the Lord rescue you today. The Egyptians you see today will never be seen again. The Lord himself will fight for you. Just stay calm. 
So I want to talk to you today. I, I promised you I've got great message titles every week of this series, the best ones I've ever come up with. I mean, they were just given to me like a beam of light from heaven. So powerful. Last week, I was talking to you about floaties and flippers. That's powerful. It's more powerful than you give me credit for. And this week, you ready? This week, I want to talk to you about sharks and minnows. I'm telling you, they just get better every week. They just get better. You got to come back next week because I got a great one for next week too. Let's pray. God, thank you for the chance to be in your house. Thank you for good grace. Thank you that you are a good God. Now speak to us all. We want to hear from you through your powerful, powerful word and the power of your spirit in Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen. All right. You can be seated. Well, growing up as a kid, um, I like to go swimming. I was talking about that last week. I like to swim. I love to play um, different games when you're swimming. Um, any, anybody? Marco? Polo. Yeah, Marco Polo in the crowd. Uh, uh, Boomer? Boomer? Orange? No. Oh. It must have been just in first service. That was it. Yeah. I mean, but I, you have um, all these different games. There, there's one game that I didn't really like to play because I was terrible at it. Uh, it was called Sharks and Minnows. Now, show of hands, just so I know, how many of you ever played or you've heard of Sharks and Minnows? Raise your hand up high. Okay. A lot of you have not heard of that game. You're like, I don't know what that game is. Let me explain it real quickly. Here's how the game works. On one end of the pool is, is one kid, and he's the shark. On the other end of the pool are all the rest of the kids and their minnows. And the idea is when he says, shark attack, all the minnows try to swim to the other side without getting touched by the shark. Now, this is great if you're like really super skinny and really, really tiny and you can swim like a porpoise, like a dolphin. You know those kids? Like they always irritated me. I mean, they're underwater. Not this guy. This was not, this, when I was a kid, I was just all arms and all legs. I was just like, okay, I'm going to try to get away from you. <laughs> I think it should have been called sharks and manatees. That would have been better for me. Like, here I come. <laughs> that was my voice, by the way, when I was nine, too. So, uh, so, but, and you know what I liked about sharks and minnows? There's one thing I liked was, especially if you had a brother or sister, because you could always, if you were a shark, you could just go and you just dunk them under the water, hold them under the water, and when they'd come up, they'd be like, I'm telling mom! No, you're not, because this is the object of the game. Woo! Down you go again. But the idea is to get to the other side, and if you got tagged, then if you got tagged, you became a shark. And then eventually... There were more sharks than there were minnows, and you were completely outnumbered, and there's no chance you're getting to the other side. For some of you, that's what 2018 felt like. You, you felt like you were, you were navigating shark-infested waters. It felt maybe even a little bit bloody. It felt a little bloody in, in 2018. That felt like the sharks were hovering and, and the sharks were, maybe the sharks were multiplying. Anybody have a little bit of that? You felt like there's no way. It just keeps getting worse and worse. Like 
you, you're like, you have the shark attack from a relationship, like things aren't going well in this relationship, and then all of a sudden you got another attack over here in your finances, and you're like, man, now I am really going down, and then if that's not enough, then something happens over here at work, and then boom, now I'm on my campus at, at my school, and this professor or this teacher and this thing or my friend and all these, and, and over and over, and it's overwhelming, you feels like there's no way that you're ever going to get through it. And then finally, the calendar flips to 2019, and you're like, oh, I'm still in shark-infested waters. It's not gone away. It's overwhelming me, and maybe it feels like there's no way I'm going to get out of this. This is exactly how the Israelites felt. This is exactly where they found themselves. The Egyptians are bearing down on them with everything that they've got. Now remember, when you think about the Israelites, they're, 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 they've just come out of captivity, and so Moses stands up in the midst of all of this with the, the armies bearing down on him, and in Exodus 14, 14, he gives this rallying cry, just stay calm. Really? That's what you got? Like, I could just see in that moment that the Israelites were like, hey, dude, you might want to turn around and see what's happening behind you. You might, Moses, you might want to rethink your strategy, okay? Keep calm and carry on. Looks great on a mug, but it ain't going to work here. Okay, they're, they're freaking out, and they don't know what to do. Listen, I believe that these are the same words that God is speaking to us thousands and thousands of years later. Just stay calm. Come on, tap somebody on the shoulder near you and tell them, just stay, come on, tell just stay calm. But how, 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 how do you stay calm when you're in the middle of shark-infested waters, when things are getting bloody, I think there's some lessons that we can learn here from the Israelites. If you go back to verse 5, the Israelites, as we said, they just finally were on their way to this promised land, and then suddenly Pharaoh changes his mind, and he comes after them, after them with everything that he's got. Listen, you and I have an enemy, and he doesn't want to see the purposes and plans of God fulfilled in your life in 2019. He doesn't want to see that happen in your life, and the moment that you step out to pursue the promise that God has given to you, that's the moment that the enemy will come after you. You don't want the enemy to come after you? Don't go after your promise. You don't want the enemy to attack you? Just have a mediocre life. You don't want the enemy to attack you? Give up on your dream. You don't want the enemy to attack you? Sit on your couch, watch Doritos. Or eat Doritos. <laughs> eat Doritos. You can watch them if you want to, whatever you want to do. The enemy will leave you alone, but once you step out, he will come after you. Now, the truth is, sometimes we give the enemy more credit than he deserves. Like, some of y'all are in a, in a core group, and you have that person, and they'll come with their prayer request and be like, hey, just pray for me, because uh, the enemy is just attacking our finances. 
while they're sitting there holding a caramel macchiato with a uh, cream whatever. And you're like, maybe, maybe you might want to get on a budget. Don't think that's the enemy. So some people are like, it's pray for me because uh, um, I don't know what's happening. My children, they're just crazy and, and they're just being so rebellious and the enemy is just attacking me. Can I tell you, man, that's not the enemy. That's hormones. <laughs> that's life. I remember a couple years ago, I got up one morning and I went out into my car and I went to start my car and I went, ram, 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 ram. No, 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 please, 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 Jesus. You're not, you know, and you're like, please, Jesus, please, Jesus. Like somehow that's going to work. Please, Jesus. And it wasn't starting. I remember getting out, and I don't know anything about cars, but as a guy, this is what you do. You get out, and I pop the hood, and I look. Engine's still there. Guess nobody stole it overnight, so that eliminates that problem. I just remember just, oh, man, I'm just so tired of the enemy attacking me. I'm so tired of him coming after me. And oh. so I, I, I called a tow truck and had it towed to, to the mechanic. And um, a couple hours later, the mechanic calls me. He said, you're out of gas. <laughs> what? You're out of gas, you idiot. <laughs> sometimes it's the devil. Sometimes it's life. And sometimes it's just your own stupidity. But the enemy, like, he, he's, the enemy is coming here after the Israelites. And I, I want you to write this down. The enemy's not after my inconvenience. The enemy is not after my inconvenience. He's after my confidence. The enemy's not after my inconvenience. He's after my confidence. He, he doesn't care. He doesn't really care about that relationship or that friendship or that somebody's talking smack about you on Facebook. He doesn't care that things aren't right at work. He doesn't care that you have cancer. He doesn't care that your finances are upside down. He doesn't care that everything's going wrong on that campus where you're going to school. He doesn't care about any of those things so much as he cares about your confidence in Christ. That's ultimately what he's after. And if he can't do it through, a, like you're like, the sharks are multiplying. You know why they're multiplying? Because you won't give up on God. He comes after your finances. You're like, I'm standing for God. You think the enemy's going to let up? No, he's going to come with more sharks and more sharks and more sharks, but it has nothing to do with those things and has everything to do with the fact that he's coming after your confidence. He, listen, he comes at you and places fear in your path, stress in your path, doubt in your path, discouragement in your path. Some of you have already faced that this morning when I talked about the answers to prayer, and you're like, wow, got her car. I guess because I'm not a single mom, I guess God doesn't love me as much. I guess he cares about the widows and orphans, and Scripture talks about widows and orphans, but I guess because I'm married or whatever, and God just doesn't, God doesn't love me. The enemy is coming at you and feeding you lies. Man, I, I, I can't, 
great. Congratulations on four months sober. I was just on the internet on the way to church looking at stuff I shouldn't be looking at because I couldn't even conquer 20 minutes. I guess, I guess I'm never going to be free from this. I guess I'm just, just going to have to settle into a year of okay, a year of mediocrity. That is where the enemy comes in. That's what the enemy's after. He's trying to destroy your confidence in Christ. But I, I like how Eugene Peterson, he wrote the message uh, translation of the Bible, and he was a pastor, and, and he wrote as a pastor writes to a congregation, and, and he wrote this uh, about 1 Peter chapter 5, verses 8 through 11. He wrote it this way. I like this. He says, keep a cool head. In, in other words, just stay calm. The devil is poised to pounce. Keep a firm grip on the faith. The suffering, it won't last forever. It won't be long before this generous God who has great plans for us in Christ, eternal and glorious plans they are, will have you put together and on your feet for good. He gets the last word. Yes, he does. Come on. That's good. Write this down. Stay calm and stay confident. Stay calm and stay confident. Listen, why? Because the suffering won't last forever. It feels like it's going to last forever. I'm never going to get through this. I'm never going to meet that someone. I'm never going to conquer this pornography addiction. I'm never going to have my checking account balance out. I'm never going to have a healthy relationship with my children or my kids. I'm never, I'm never, I'm never. Listen, you got to hold on because that suffering won't last forever. Why? Because we serve a generous God. Amen. A generous God. What does that mean? That is huge. That means 2019 is set up to be the best year ever. That ain't a cliche. That ain't preacher talk. That's God talk. That's God saying, you may have had a lousy 2018. Things may not have gone how you had hoped, but I am a generous God. Don't quit on me because I ain't quitting on you. And I will pour out the promise and blessings that I said I would do. That is why you stay calm and you stay confident. I, keep, keep a firm grip. Keep a firm grip on the faith. Keep a firm grip on the promise. Keep a firm grip on Jesus. Just grab a hold of Jesus and never let go. He is a good God. He's a good God and he will have you put together, I like this, and on your feet. Woo! You get tore up by the sharks. You're laying bloody on the beach. God comes over, he revives you, he puts you back onto solid ground so that you can walk the course that he has for you. Man. And listen, he gets the last word. He gets the last word. Oh, the enemy speaks failure, let him speak on. The enemy speaks discouragement, let him speak on. The enemy speaks doubt, you let him speak on. Because in the end, Jesus walks in and his last word is hope over your life. He says, there is hope in 
me. Some of y'all, man, you, he comes in, he speaks the word healing over you. The enemy comes at you with lie after lie, and Jesus comes in and speaks healing over you. Your life is in chaos and confusion, but that ain't the last word. If your hope is grounded in Christ, if your confidence is in Christ, his last word is always peace. Peace over your life. Man, you feel like, I don't know where I'm going. I don't know how I'm going to make it. I, I, I might as well give up. No, no, no. That is the enemy. But the word that Jesus speaks over you, the last word is, I have a purpose for you. I am not done with you. I've got something good for you. Stay calm and stay confident. So some people, I realize when we talk about this, some of you are like, man, I, you just don't understand you don't understand what I'm going through. You don't understand how hard it is. You don't understand what's happened to me. You don't understand how difficult it is. You don't understand the sharks that all around me. Moses did. Nobody knew better than Moses. And Pharaoh and his army bearing down on him. Look at, look at verse, verse 6, what it says. So, so Pharaoh harnessed his chariot and called up his troops. This is the most powerful military force. It go, goes on to say like that every chariot, every charioteer, I mean every leader, every soldier, everything he had. And remember this, the Israelites, they are not ready for battle. Remember we talked about that last week? They just come out of slavery. They, they don't know how to fight a military and their back is up against the wall. Have you ever felt completely powerless? You know what I mean? Like completely overwhelmed, surrounded, no way out. I have, because I've been a youth pastor. <laughs> oh, that's funny, isn't it? That's real funny. I remember when I was going into youth ministry, I just thought, oh, they're going to drink from the fountain of my wisdom. Uh, they're going to sit at my feet, and I'm going to speak the righteousness and love of the Father God over them. I really thought these kids are going to idolize me. I had no idea they were going to terrorize me. <laughs> like during the political season, all the signs that were in your yard and in your neighbor's yard, they all ended up in my yard. <laughs> I remember one time I, I left my garage open and my doorbell rang. I opened up my front door and a couch was blocking the way and everything in my garage was on my front porch. <laughs> we went paintballing. We divided into two teams. I thought they were equally divided and equally yoked. That's a good Christian scripture joke there. <laughs> you have to look that up. But I thought that we were on equal teams. No, no. Evidently it was everyone against me. And I'm like a manatee out there. <laughs> I can't hide. Look at this. This can't hide anywhere. And they're, they're, so the other team, are they going after anybody on my team? No. They're searching me down. They're hunting me down. There's like 30 of them. All up into welts, all up and down my body. I'm like, ah, I'm dead. Stop. I'm dead. I'm dead. You killed your youth pastor. I'm dead. That was when my team were like, oh, you're out of the game? <laughs> this is the enemy. He will come at you, and he is relentless. He'll come at you with anything and everything that he has. Why? Because he wants to rock 
your confidence. He doesn't want you to be confident in Christ. But I like what David said. Some of you need to write this down. Psalm 20, verse 7. Psalm 20, verse 7. You need to put it on your dashboard. You need to put it on your uh, clipboard at work. You need to put it on your bathroom mirror. You need to put it in your textbook at school, whatever. It says this. Some nations boast of their chariots and horses, but we boast in the name of who? The Lord our God. Those nations, they'll fall down and collapse, but we will, come on somebody, rise up and stand firm. Come on, turn to somebody, high five them and tell them, get back up. Get back up. Get back up. Pharaoh, if you go back to the beginning of chapter 14, Pharaoh was defeated before the battle even began. He was a defeated foe. It didn't matter how many chariots, it didn't matter how many soldiers. Listen, the enemy is a defeated foe in your life. doesn't matter what he comes at you, no matter how he comes after you, he is already defeated. Why? Because of what Christ did on the cross. That's where the enemy was defeated. Why? He was defeated, and I can stand up. I can stand, as the scripture says here, I can rise up, and I can stand firm because Christ rose up, and he stood firm from the grave. Some of you just need to let that sink in, especially those of you who have been following Jesus for a really long time, because we talk about that a lot. Rose up from the grave, we sing songs about it, read scriptures about it, talk about it. And we just know it, and it just kind of becomes a phrase. But think about that for a moment. What are you facing? Where, is the, where, is the, where are the sharks coming after you? You can try to do that yourself, or you can lean into the guy that rose himself from the grave. The guy who had no breath in his lungs, laid in a stinky grave for three days, and somehow revived himself, walked out of the grave, and said, I'm back. That is the one we put our hope in, the one who conquered death and the grave. If he can do that, there is nothing the enemy can do in your life. That is why we say the enemy is defeated and I can stand firm and I can stand confident. But instead of rising up and standing firm, the, the Israelites, they, they folded in fear. Verse 10, as Pharaoh approached, the people of Israel, they looked up and they what? Panicked. Panicked when they saw the, the Egyptians overtaking them. Now, I mean, I, I was, they, they say that if you are in shark-infested waters, to keep from being attacked, they, the advice they really give is just stay calm. Because if you'll stay calm, then the, the shark won't come at you. But if you panic and you start thrashing, and you start kicking, and you start, you know, screaming or whatever, that is when the sharks attack you. I don't know about you, but if I'm surrounded by sharks in the ocean, I'm not going to be like, would you like a cheese it <laughs> No! Man, I'm, ah, shark! Listen, here's my strategy. All I got to do is outswim you. That's all I got to do. If I outswim you, I, I, I win. But man, we would panic. That's what the Israelites have done here. They're panicking. And when they panicked, they started asking, why? Why'd you bring us out here? 
Why, why, why didn't you let us stay in Egypt? Why? Why won't you, why won't you let us go, go back? And I think it's funny. When we see this, we look at this and we're like, man, I can't, I can't believe they didn't trust God. Yeah. Yet at the first sign of trouble, what do we do? Shock! We panic. And we start asking why. If you want to know that you're panicking, here's how you know that you're panicking. You start asking why. Why is this happening in my marriage? Why is this happening at school? Why is this happening in my job? Why is this happening? Why is this? Why that? Why God? Why this? And before you know it, your why turns to whining. That's what happened to the Israelites. In the, in the, in the story, they're shaking their fist in defiance as they leave Egypt. They're like, oh, like this. They get a couple miles down the road. Now they're shaking their fist in defiance at God. Their why turned to whining. The same thing happens to all of us. We come into church and we sing the songs and we're in here and we're all hyped up, high-fiving, talking to each other. And we're like raising our fist in defiance at the enemy. I will stand for the Lord. Yeah, take that enemy. Yeah, you ain't going to take my joy. You ain't going to steal my peace. Yeah, you ain't going to do this. And then Monday comes. Or or. Maybe even sooner, you can't even get to the parking lot. Before something happens, you panic, and now you go from raising your fist at the enemy to raising your fist in defiance to God. So we have a choice. I have a choice, and you have have a choice. I, I can either let my why turn to whining, or I can let my why turn to worship. The choice is yours. It's mine. You are the only one who can make that decision. Am I just going to whine or am I going to praise God? Am I going to worship him? Because I love that song, that new song we're singing. Why? Because when I praise, when I worship and I lift the praise, the walls come down. It's when you're worshiping instead of saying, when you're tempted to say why, you just step into it and you say, I'm not going to say why. I'm going to trust. I'm going to just stay calm and competent. God, you're going to deliver me. God, you will bring me through. God, you brought me through before. You'll bring me through again. I don't know what's happening. It's getting a little bloody. I wish you'd show up a little quicker. They're closing in on me, but my eyes are on you. I'm trusting in you. I am going to stay calm and confident in you. doesn't matter. No one will steal my worship. You've got to be resolute in that. Verse 13. I like Moses. I want to be Moses. I want to be Moses. He had his own problems, but man, he was, he was still a man of faith. He said this, don't be afraid. Just stand still and watch the Lord rescue you today. The Egyptians you see today will never be seen again. The Lord himself will fight for you. Come on, say this with me one more time. What? Just stay calm. I can't, I can't hear this passage of Scripture um, without being taken back about 20 years ago. Uh, most of you know the, our adoption story. I've shared it many times from this stage. And um, if you'll allow me, I, I just want to share one part of that story again with you that's so powerful and meaningful to this. Uh, if you're new to Core Church, uh, about 20 years ago, Laura and I got a call and our niece and nephew had been taken into protective custody in the state of Oregon. And my niece was two weeks old and my nephew was a year old. And they asked if we would be willing to adopt them. And of course, my answer was immediately, yes, absolutely. Of course, we, we were their family. Why would I not do that? What we didn't know is that it began um, two years of just hell. 
worst hell we'd ever been in. As a state fought against us and tried to deny it, and I remember we got one, about one year in, and Sky um, it was her first birthday, and we thought she'd be celebrating it with us, but December 17th was a really lonely and difficult day, especially for her mama, because when she turned one, you know, anybody, if you're a parent, you know, you have the little cake, you know what I'm talking about? You've been to your nephew or niece's little birthday party or whatever, and they have that little cake, and they have that one candle on it, and then they're sitting in that chair, you know what I'm talking about? And they, they, they dig their fingers in, and they get it up all over their face. We didn't get that. It was pretty hard. And I remember a, a few weeks went by after that, and um, I was reading this passage of Scripture. And when I read it, God spoke to me, but it wasn't really what I wanted to hear. And it just rocked me back onto my heels. When I read this, God said very clearly to me, Brad, it's, it's going to get worse before it gets better. Come on, God. I, I was in my bedroom. I right, remember right where I was. I remember almost just kind of, I think I was, went and just sat on the edge of the bed. And I mean, it's going to get worse before it gets better. It's going to get worse, Brad, before it gets better. But here's the thing. I want you to stand in faith. I want you to stand still. I want you to watch what I'm going to do. And if you'll trust me and you'll let me fight for you and you just stay calm, I will deliver you. I remember Laura coming home, and I said, hey, I got some bad news. Uh, I was reading this, and God said, uh, it's going to get worse before it gets better. That was one of the hardest things I ever had to tell my wife, because she is such a mom at heart, and it did. It got a lot worse. Got really ugly. It got really bloody. Sharks were literally everywhere, multiplying. It just kept getting worse. And but but Laura and I said, no, we're gonna we're gonna stay calm and we're gonna stay confident in Christ. And that wasn't always easy. There were t- many days of, of doubts and discouragement, and frustration, and months went by, and months went by, and months went by. About ten months went by, until finally, got to a place where it went all the way up to the highest place in the state of Oregon and. Meeting no one was allowed in. We weren't allowed in that meeting either. And I remember us praying uh, in my office. I just remember praying, God, please. You ever have a moment that you go right back to? You ever done that? You know, you just remember. You remember the smell of the room, and you remember the old computer screen and, and, and the, the wooden cheap desk and... And uh, we were praying, and then we got the phone call. And the lady on the other end, she was a secretary with the state, and she said, I'm not supposed to tell you this, but you won. You won! <laughs> we won! Woo! So Sky and Jer are a lot older now. Uh, Jer just got engaged last year. Sky got married. She now moved to California and this week, uh, she sent me a text. It's the best text a dad could ever get. She sent me a text, and it was this picture right here. The uh, father-daughter dance, and this was on a little um, board at a coffee shop. And she said, Dad, you remember these? 
Such good times. I remember. And, I, and, and when I looked at that and I was preparing this message and I was reflecting back and I was like, because I stayed calm and because I stayed confident, because I didn't let the enemy steal my confidence, I got to dance with my daughter throughout her entire life at daddy-daughter dance after daddy-daughter dance after da- daddy-daughter dance until this last fall, I did the ultimate dance and danced with her at her wedding. This is our God. This is what he will do for you if you will stay calm and you will stay confident. I wish I could tell you the enemy's not going to come after you. I wish I could tell you 2019 is going to be smooth sailing. 2018 is behind you, nothing but good, good ahead of you. If you try to step out into the purposes and plans that God has for you, you will get attacked. But that's how you know you're on the right road. That's how you know you're on the right road. That's how you know you're doing the right thing. Sometimes the enemy's leaving you alone. You've got to be going, oh, maybe I'm going the wrong way. Like, you ever stayed home for church? The enemy just lets you. He just lets you stay home for church. You ever not read your Bible? He just lets you don't read your Bible. You ever just say, oh, you know what? I'm, I'm going to put that dream and that idea and what God wants. I'm not going to work on my marriage. I'm not going to do all these things. Yeah, I'm just tired and wore out. The enemy's just like, good, got you right where I want you. Okay? Why? Because he's trying to rob you of your confidence. He's going to come after you in 2019. But I'm telling you, if you will stand, You'll stand firm. You will see the deliverance and the rescue of our God. He will come through. His promises are true. 